Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and we meet Becky Bowen, an author. Becky retired as vice president of a training consulting company and is putting her master's degree in English literature to direct use as she has had three novels published and along with her wife, Nancy Manahan, the nonfiction award-winning Living Consciously, Dying Gracefully, A Journey with Cancer and Beyond. Becky joins us to talk about her novel, A Light on Altered Land. Becky Bowen, good morning and thank you so greatly for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Kate. I am grateful that uh, you are here and and for the reason that you are here, that we get to talk about your new book, A Light on Altered Land. So just as we begin, let's uh, just talk about the title, which is an interesting one. It is a beautiful cover, the the golden cover and the the trees and the, the plant life here and the bird in the background. So what inspired this title? Well, the title um, reflects two of the themes that appear throughout the book, light and land. Now, when we talk about land, we usually think of it as very stable and firm. But in reality, it moves, it shifts. You know, here in Florida, we have sinkholes opening up. Um, so, you know, the land is not necessarily a firm um, platform. And these two women, the two main characters, Ellie and Catherine, have had the landscapes of their life shift significantly. Ellie, who is a lesbian, um, she has been her whole life. Her partner and wife of 24 years passed away from cancer three years prior to the opening of the book. And Catherine, who has been heterosexual her whole life, had her marriage dissolved the previous year. Her husband left her for a younger woman. So both of these characters um, are facing significant changes. They're looking to downsize because their homes now are just too large. They're both newly retired and they're aging. They are moving into a, a new phase of their life. Uh, the light uh, reflects the um, cleansing and healing power. Catherine is a psychotherapist, and at one point in the book, she talks to Ellie about turning a rock over, and you can see underneath, you know, it's moist and damp, and the worms and if you expose things to light, they have the chance to heal. You get them out into the open, and that's what they want to do with their troubles. They let the light shine on them. They find new perspectives, and it you know, symbolizes a new day. So that is the, the story of the, of the title. You mentioned the cover, Kate. Well, the foliage that you see on the bottom is actually uh, cannabis. It's cannabis plants. Ah. And cannabis plays a significant part in this book. The, um, um, the two women take a trip to California uh, to visit one of um, Ellie's nieces and also to pick up some 
cannabis product. It's a special product called Rick Simpson Oil, which is um, very potent, full spectrum, and it's illegal in many states. And so that's the purpose of their road trip to the West. And coming back, of course, they run into some problems with the law. So that is uh, a, a major issue in the book. So there's so much packed in in here, and and really just with the title, it's amazing how it encompasses so much when you just kind of peel away a little bit of that layer. It, it's I I think that's just so brilliant. Well, thank you. I, it uh, it took uh, a lot of thinking to come up with a title that really encapsulated what happens in the book. So this that is really uh, amazing and and something to certainly consider as as we read through the book and now you know kind of put that kind of a a lens on it. Uh, so we we do have these two main characters who really are beautiful people. <laughs> Why do I say it like that? Uh, you know, they're just I guess engaging and and women that we feel we'd, we'd want to get to know because of just uh, the way that you portray them. Are they, are they a compilation of, of people, partly yourself? What is the story there, Becky? Yes, they are. They are uh, a compilation of several people. I brought the traits of my wife Nancy and I into these characters, a big influence in the character of Catherine is Diane Manahan, who was Nancy's um, sister-in-law. She died of breast cancer uh, when she was 60 years old. And she was a, a nurse and a psychotherapist. And she had an amazing during her last five years as she dealt with her cancer. And she planned how she was going to die. She wanted a home vigil. She wanted her body taken care of by her friends and family and uh, a direct cremation. And she wrote everything out. She had this lovely memorial, or she would call it a life celebration plan. And so that was, that character really infused a lot of uh, this book, including. Um, I would say kind of the, the spirit of the book. Nancy, my wife, is a college English t- teacher. She was. She's retired now. And I was uh, um, an English major, too, so that kind of um, informs the character of Ellie. And also there are a lot of psychotherapists and nurses and doctors in our family and friendship circles. So, you know, I just kind of pulled some characteristics of all these. But, you know, these characters really are distinct people. I mean, it's, they're not modeled on any one specific person. I really like it that you said that um, they were relatable. I, I intentionally wanted to make them sympathetic characters I find that so many of the books that I read have people who are really dysfunctional, 
and so much of the conflict of a book is can be based on dishonesty and lies, and I wanted to show characters who are impeccable with their word, and they could model good communication skills. You know, one of the things that I was just thinking about the other day, I'm starting to write the sequel to this book, and it occurred to me, there are so many coming-of-age stories, you know, stories where there's a a young person who sets off into the world and um, has to face all sorts of challenges and, and eventually has some sort of breakthrough and journeys home um, a wiser person. And by the time that person reaches home, they have become an adult. It's a, that transformation from child to adult, and that's a real archetype of Western literature. And as I thought about the books that I'm writing right now, I'm going to the other end of the spectrum, and instead of a coming of age, I'm seeing this as a deepening in age where people have gone through their trials and the losses, and they know that more are coming. That is a fact of life. They have the tools now to deal with issues that come up. They've got the communication skills to go deep, to listen, to um, resolve issues. And that is, um, you know, one of the wonderful things about being older is that we hopefully know who we are. And that is uh, um, part of uh, having a high emotional intelligence, which is what these two characters demonstrate. And I thought that I could just model some really healthy people in this book. And I I truly believe that you've accomplished that goal, that oh, besides being, of course, relatable, that they they are just to be admired for... You know, just the honest and gentle conversation of of sharing, of being honest, of really having integrity. And that kind of, you know, all the life experience leads to that, to be able to share it. Yes, they are, they're really lovely, lovely people. Thank you. I've had so many people tell me, oh, I want these two as my friends, or I wish I could sit in the back seat of that car on the trip going to and from California and just listen to these two talk. <laughs> and, uh, I do, too. I, I want to spend more time with them, which is one of the reasons I'm writing a sequel. And so, so that was something that happened as this book ended. You realized, oh, no, there, there's more to this story. These these are wonderful people. We need to know more of where the this t- trajectory goes. Well, I didn't think that at first, Kate. I, I really thought, okay, I I spent all I could in this book. That's, I just drew on everything that I could. And it wasn't until recently, I think it was in December or something, I thought, oh, you know, there's, I can take this further. And I'm moving it into the age of COVID and how these two deal with 
the challenges that come living through a pandemic. And, um, you know, it's so it's kind of a, a timely book. Absolutely. To, you know, just draw in what is happening. As, of course, uh, just the reality of what was happening in their lives uh, as they first met. And having these more mature and intelligent women uh, develop this relationship between them. You know, it's just something, I think, as you were saying, you just wanted something that was more honest and forthright in writing Mm -hmm. a, a book to to give us something more intelligent to read. And also to give people hope. Um, you know, many books now about older characters deal with infirmities and Alzheimer's and, and things, cognitive issues. And, you know, I just, there again, deliberately, I, I have these two characters, Be Healthy and another aspect to is that I wanted to show that romantic love is possible at any age. It is something that I see in in my community here in Florida. I see older people uh, having lost a partner after some bit of time, whether a year or two or three, suddenly something clicks with someone else and and you know it's it's really fun to see how excited people are in in their 60s and 70s and even 80s it's never too late to to fall in love and that's uh, another thing that some readers have told me that they said oh you know it really gives me hope you know i've been single now for several years but you know it is possible so I'm glad I can give them some hope. That you can be that voice of hope. This is the vehicle that that shares that message of hope. I mean, could we ask for something better? (laughs) Really? (laughs) And especially just in the entire scope of how life is that, you know, bad things happen. We just look across the ocean Mm-hmm. over to Europe, to Ukraine, and we see the the horrors of things that happen. Yet we can't just live our life in that. We have to realize that we need to create that good and keep balance, I guess. You know, just have that be the heavier weight of mm-hmm. what, the energy going on in the world. I think that's a good point. We have to find balance. I mean, we don't want to be a uh, squirreled away in our own little bubble of happiness. I mean, it's important to be relating to the world and doing what we can. And on the other hand, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And if we're a mess inside of us, we're not going to be able to contribute much to the outer world. So that's uh, something to keep in mind. And that is something that I I believe that we get a chance to consider with these characters. I mean, with, with Catherine being a psychotherapist, you, you know, the, the conversation that's there, the introspection that can go on, the, the questions that we might ask ourselves via these characters. Right. And, you know, one of the things that 
they raise very early as they're just kind of getting to know each other is um, the question of what makes you come alive, what brings you joy. And I think that's a really important question for people to answer because that's something that can keep us connected to the world. For Catherine, she says it's traveling and meeting new people, making connection. Um, For Ellie, it's playing. She likes sports, um, music, um, being in the moment. And for both of them, ultimately, it I think it comes down to connection, and that's how they engage in the world and with each other, and and they're able to go deep. One of the things that is pointed out in the book is that also early on when they first meet, they they're able to cut to the chase, really. Uh, they're sitting in this cafe. They're both lonely. They're both trying to downsize, and they're facing challenges. And instead of saying, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm doing great. You know, I'm life is pretty darn good," they're they talk about their challenges and what is difficult about downsizing. What's difficult about um, the changing landscape of their lives, and you know, right from the get go they're able to go deep. And I think that certainly sets up that residence um, that lasts throughout their relationship. And again, there's that honesty that really evolves into that hope and what we would want to see, I think we want to see in our own lives, all of us, don't we? Uh, You know, having that honesty and hope. Right. You know, one of the things that is modeled in this book via the communication is something called nonviolent communication, NVC. I don't name it as such, but it certainly is where Catherine is coming from. And that's um, it's a process of communication developed by Marshall Rosenberg. And it posits that the intention of communication is connection. And in order to connect, you really have to understand the feelings and needs that you have inside of yourself as well as what the other person has. And so it's a way of, you know, finding out where each other is at so that you can honor the both your own feelings and those of the others and try to meet the needs if at all possible. For example, I mentioned uh, that incident in the in the coffee shop where they can uh, get deep right away. Another example is um, there is a car accident in the book, and at one point where they're discussing what happened, Ellie feels that Catherine is condescending, and so right away she's able to identify her unease. And what that's about, and then she shares with Catherine, you know, that's that sounds condescending. Well, that is a uh, a way that they can identify what's happening inside of them, what they feel is going on between them, and then move forward. And indeed, Catherine realizes that yes, she is being condescending. 
So, um, you know, there again, it's, uh, it comes with the, the maturity of these two women and the experiences that they've had and all the years of communication and their willingness to grow and become good communicators. And from that, when we're open to it, and I, again, I'm going to go on the basis of I trust as we read this kind of literature, we then are open to learning. So it's modeled for us what we can do and share with others and be that way ourselves. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I got an email shortly after the book was published from a woman in California, and she said, you know, this book saved my marriage. <laughs> she said, I saw how these two characters were communicating, and she said, I was just fed up with the gulf between my husband and me. We were not talking. So after I finished this book, I handed him this, the book, and he read it and broke down and cried, and they were able to you know, really open up and have a discussion. And so I thought that is beyond what I could have hoped for in, in this book. And it really is true. You know, if people can come away with the example that these two are setting, I think that it would open up, up communication. And when you think about the way people have said, you know, it's a gift that is priceless, that's just mm -hmm. how that had to feel for you. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it illustrates, you know, how doing what you love to do, how you're needing to put forth this story in on the printed page, how that, how one person can make such a difference in the world. You know, you're just hearing from one woman how it's transformed her life. Then how do they act transforming other lives? I mean, the, the possibilities are then endless. Well, yeah, it's kind of like the pebble in the pond. Yes. That will, the, the ripples go out. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, so there is so much here. We we talked about, and, and I felt that was so important about the the dying and the respect for that. And, mm -hmm. and there's more of that in the book. And again, another book that you and, and Nancy have written together based on that, which I think would be another great full conversation. So we can table that for another time, but you, you did touch on how the trip that Ellie and Catherine make to California is for the cannabis. And again, that's all part of how, uh, about living more naturally and, and really taking more control over one's life, right? It is. I mean, it's, it certainly is a, a modality that many people have found helpful. And, you know, it's, it's too bad that herbal medicine is, such as this is kept from people. I mean, it just seems as though cannabis should be legal, uh, regulated. Uh, it, it could be taxed in every state. One of the things I illustrate in the book with the, the niece and her husband having this farm where they are now producing legally, cannabis products is that it is an industry and it employs people and it puts out a product that is so helpful to people. It's a product that uh, is 
individualized. You know, it's not one dose fits all or one strain of cannabis works the same for everyone. It, it's very in, individual. And many nurses actually are, are uh, kind of picking up the, the baton here and are learning how to, uh, I don't know if you could call it prescribe, but how to figure out, help figure out what dosages work. And, you know, I think that the potential is there for really helping a lot of people and getting them off of some of these drugs that have such uh, awful side effects. Mm. And, you know, we'll just have to see how, how things go. You know, it has been a long haul with, the, with all the, the laws, the legalization, and uh, kind of this patchwork by state of what's legal and what's not. But it would be lovely if just we could just have a federal law that opens it up so we can have things that are standardized and have better control so, you know, I hope that that's in the future and uh, a near future. But I'm not sure. The, the wheels of government grind slowly. Yes, that is true. But we need to work. I, I think I've really embraced how grassroots work at this is so critically mm-hmm. important. So then we we remain optimistic. Exactly. You know, I on a, a different tangent, kind of a fun aspect of this, you mentioned pickleball a number of times throughout the book because Ellie enjoys playing pickleball. Well, you know, it's been in the news here just very recently in Washington State because I guess the, the game of pickleball originated here on Bainbridge Island back in 1965. It did. <laughs> I thought you... It did. It did. You may not know it, but even here in Florida, when we start a game, the game starts with whoever is in the northwest corner, and we do that to honor Seattle. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that is amazing. So that's just kind of that, a nod toward that. Yeah. Wow. It is. Yes. Um, kind of a, a little tip of the hat in gratitude the inventor of pickleball. <laughs> so does that mean that you do play? I do play, yes. You know, I've, I've uh, I had uh, some back issues recently, so I'm kind of off the game at the moment, but um, it's a wonderful game, and it's uh, particularly suited, I think, uh, for people as they get older. The ones who love tennis are finding that it's uh, a little too demanding of a sport is as they age perhaps and pickleball is just a, a wonderful way to really stay active and it's something that people can pick up very easily and I've been with people never even picked up a pedal before and, and boy within oh gosh half an hour they it's like they're they're meant to be playing and <laughs> so it's uh, it's a wonderful game well, that is so wonderful to kind of learn a little bit more of that piece of the story. 
in your wonderful book, Becky, A Light on Altered Land. And I'm really excited that you actually are working on the sequel because uh, I think that as we read this book and we meet Ellie and Catherine, we we just do connect with them and find them to be really such wonderful people that we could see ourselves being friends with as well, right? Right. <laughs> so now the book is is new and we want to let people know that they can also get their own copy. So of course, check with your favorite book source in order to do that. Also, just to get more information about you and, and your work, let's mention your website. It is nanbeck.com. That's a combination of Nancy and Becky. So nanbeck, N-A-N-B-E-C.com. Well, we shall be looking forward to the sequel. I guess we have to wait a little while, though, do we? Yes. <laughs> Okay, we shall do that. Writing is a slow endeavor. Well, when it has um, important messages, then then it takes time to get that just right. That's right. Right. Well, Becky Bowen, I just have really enjoyed having you share about this marvelous work that you've created, A Light on Altered Land. Thank you so greatly for that, for sharing your talent, and for certainly spending time with us this morning. Well, thank you, Kate. This has been fun. I really appreciate the insightful questions that you've asked. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Becky Bowen and Sunday Morning Magazine with Dr. Susie Wise. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, Find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family on this Easter day a time of reflecting on life, how to create the life and community we desire. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.